It is the Finish Line fin- Fantasy Finish Line Podcast. <laughs> Tonight is Wednesday, November 9th, 2022. And one week off is apparently too many weeks off for us. But it is week 10 and we are going to talk trends. Well, that's the fun of, of being live, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't say, oh shit, we're starting over. So I'm sure the whiskey... I just gathered myself and... The whiskey will help. Oh, it always does. Do the fantasy finish line with us. That's the goal here. I'm, oh. not, I'm not much of a marathon person myself, but I, I do I do see a little bit of uh, marathon running, cross-country running, as a good um, metaphor if, if we're talking about the fantasy finish line. The fantasy football season in general, maybe? Because you have to make waiver picks every week right right you, you can't be like taking off uh this tuesday because you had a really bad day at work that's just going to uh, lower your chances of of getting that guy going to the playoffs just by a couple percentage points every time that happens um we've all seen those teams that have gotten lucky especially in previous years i remember there's a there's a gentleman named tom who's in one of our local leagues mm-hmm. all he had to do for two years to become like maybe the number one or two seed in the league was draft players from the new england patriots before everyone else did. Yeah, and he did that very efficiently, I might add. But that strategy doesn't work forever, as as uh, you know we see uh, over the past couple of years. So, all right, uh, can I can I just ask you a behind the scenes question for a moment? Yeah, uh, you do have internet, right? Because I don't, and I know that's been a constant problem for my computer. Um, there we go. It's back. There we are. Yeah, I see I've, myself on the screen and everything. I've got the internet. It's back. I just <laughs> wanted to, you know, make sure it was me. <laughs> he likes we can, to... we can let people uh, peek in the background. For instance, my notes say last week was an adventure, but last week we were off, and uh, we enjoyed a bye week. I hope that um, you know you had a bit of a bye week yourself. Uh, you, the listener, not you, Dave. I know you don't have bye weeks. Uh... <laughs> we had a bye week because you had too many things going on. Right, I was out, and in... I was more than happy to not. You know. I was out in uh, uh, Minneapolis, uh, Minnesota, but it wasn't on, on business uh, that had to do with the Vikings, unfortunately. Okay. Well, you know, one can dream. Yeah, you know, I've been to the stadium. The The Viking stadium is pretty cool. Um, they've got all of the um, uh, all the newfangled tech, and then, of course, they have like the... Uh, I mean, you've seen the games there, right? So they of have, course. They and have, they have the Viking ship. They have they? the Viking ship that like fires things out of it, and like a guy with this giant bongo Viking drum thing. I'm and... sure it's not actually a bongo. Oh no, no, I'm sure it's not called a bongo. No, and the percussionist in my uh, band would not appreciate it being called a bongo either. No, but yeah. that's okay. He's not here on the podcast to correct us. I called it a bongo, so <laughs> I'm dreaming things into reality. Nice here. bongos. But uh, the, the story of today is uh, something that we do three or four times a year, right? Uh, talk about player trends. Yes. Uh, so what you like to look at, Dave, is three weeks in a row, going up, going down, generally in points, but though uh, we may pull from other significant statistics if uh, we find them relevant. Yeah, and you could do more than three, uh, but I would never suggest doing less. I just don't feel like I that, agree. that proves anything. And in fact, many of the players that I chose for today – not on purpose, but happened to be uh, four, five, or even six weeks in a row of a certain trend. Well, at that point, it's a trajectory. It's a, um, it is a path that yes. they're on. Yeah, that's true. I think that that's accurate. Certainly for the first guy here, uh, we got well, Justin. He's not going to be able to go up any further uh, in week ten. I don't know, man. 
50 points, not as crazy as it once sounded. <laughs> so way back in week three, he had 6.9, and then every week since he's gone up. 10, 17, 19, 24, 26, 42. Mm-hmm. Um, he's doing fantastic. Uh, next week, like I said, 50 points. You, you heard it here first. If he doesn't score 50 points, then it's like, well, of course Justin Fields didn't score 50 points. Don't be crazy. <laughs> but if he scores 50 points, I can be like, See, I told you. You live in the Chicago area. You know, you you see uh, kind of how the pasta feels right now about about the team. Oh, the meatballs are being served up left and right. <laughs> Everybody is drinking Kool Aid to wash it down. <laughs> it is super Bears like optimism right now, which is a lot of fun. Uh, and and he's honest. It is. I agree. I'm not like trying to poke fun at the Bears fans for being falsely optimistic. Like what I've seen in the last three weeks. Yeah. Bears have scored like 30 points a week. They're playing very well. The quarterback is playing really well. And, and it, he looks like an exciting new quarterback, not just someone who sort of lucked his way into six touchdowns like Mitch Trubisky did a few years ago. Yeah, a lot of it's on his back, though, and I'm sure you're going to talk about that. But, like, because he's gained a lot more rushing yardage over the last couple of weeks is, you know, directly um, uh, uh, associated with the success that they have because he's got this additional threat that wasn't really being used. Well, they've actually lost two of those three games, so they're not like turning well, him into wins. Well, they yet. don't want to win the games. I think you're right. And <laughs> what's great is um, many of the like fans who are my age who play fantasy football, they totally get that. They're like, I love that he plays good, and I love that they lost the game because let's yeah. get a better pick. Right. And they have the first-round pick, at least, but they don't have the second-round pick anymore. So, you know, they're going to need some pass rushers. Since and... we last spoke uh, on the podcast, they've acquired Cl- Chase Claypool. Um, how do you feel about uh, sending Chase Claypool from your Steelers here to Chicago? Well, you know the the Steelers are a an organization that succeeds very well historically uh, at training up wide receivers and then letting them go. Uh, Chase Claypool is someone who... Uh, has been looked at even in the Steelers organization behind the scenes and beat reporters, et cetera, as being somewhat of a diva-esque personality that is a little bit of a distraction. Okay. He's like a 6'4", 240-pound guy uh, that can run and catch and jump. But his problem, uh, which is the Bears fans are about to find out, is that Chase Claypool uh, can't catch with his hands. He's a body catcher. And so uh, he's a big target. He's a red zone threat. He's a down the field guy if he has to be. But if you guard him uh, correctly and don't allow him to catch at his body, he will not catch out with his hands. Yeah, I feel like um, that's an easier way to defend him. Because if all you have to do is keep his hands away, mm-hmm. and if he can't get his hands out there, he's not catching the ball. Because um, I mean, you need your hands to catch with your body. Right. And, you know, I feel like that's more, I don't know, uh, an easier job to defend. Well, it, or, or you just, you know, interfere with him and don't get the call as what happened at the end of the game. And and I think he's a good player and he's a young player, so he could still improve. I think it's a good acquisition by the Chicago Bears, but I think it's a better uh, move by the Steelers uh, because they have other guys in the box. And, you know, George Pickens already looks like a guy who's going to be better than Chase Claypool down the road. And they already have Deontay Johnson, who is... Uh, according to some stat, uh, I forget exactly what it is, the most open man so far this year in the NFL. So <laughs> he's, you talk about guys like Chase Claypool who don't get a lot of separation, yeah. Um, but they're big and they can they can get contested catches. 
but Deontay Johnson is just always open. And so those are the guys you want, like the Adam Thielen and the Antonio Browns, mm-hmm. uh, who if you go, if you look at them uh, and you know where they're going to be, then you're good. Uh, they also have, uh, the Steelers do, without getting too big into Steelers, uh, Calvin Austin, who was on IR, he's not going to play this year. Okay. Uh, but he think he ran like a 4-3-3 or something ridiculous. Oh, wow. Uh, so he's one of those long field uh, um, fast guys. So I, I think it's a it was a good acquisition by the Bears, but I think they still need uh, a true number one receiver. That's not Darnell Mooney, and that's not uh, Pettis, and it's not Equinemius St. Brown, and it's not Chase Claypool. <laughs> that's true. Yep. They still need to draft someone. They've got a big WR room full of guys that are – uh, decent two or threes. Yeah, maybe they can pick up somebody in a free agency next year, or Brandon Cooks. Well, they have like a hundred like plus million dollars to spend. So. Right, they'll have a lot of money. They can get somebody. So, back to the Bears. Um, Josh Fields. Keep calling him Josh Fields, and for once, <laughs> like, hey, you know, Josh, you know, Allen, Justin Fields, whatever. Uh, at least uh, one of you know, at least Justin Fields really showed that he could uh, maybe be in that conversation. Um, but Mr. he is Fields. He's not slinging the ball around. Yeah, I could just stick with that. <laughs> he's topped out at 17 completions over the last two weeks, and that's his high water mark for the season. Right. What he's doing is he's playing smart. This is what I really like to want to dug, dug into his stats. He has two interceptions in the last six weeks, 1.4% interception rate. Now, like the until this year and maybe last year, the best quarterback in the league when it came to not throwing interceptions was Aaron Rodgers. And he would usually lead the league every year in interception rate, which you want to be very low, and he would be between like 1% and 1.5%. So if he is throwing at a 1.4% interception rate, that means that he's doing a really good job at protecting the ball and throwing the ball you know, to the right places. And that's over six games. That's not a small sample size. Mm-hmm. That's two-thirds of the season so far. That's the kind of rate that you like to see, um, but we want to see if he can keep that up for the whole season. So... In addition to the improvement in the passing game, it's improved. It's not great yet. It's not even very good, I would say, as far as numbers go. He's only had 208 passing yards as his highest number all year. He's running the ball more. So he was running the ball 8.5 times per game, but now over the last four games, he's running the ball 12 times per game. He's sort of being freed up to be more creative, to do what he wants in the offense. Instead of having to force everything that he's being told to do, he is seeing what's in front of him and taking what's there, which I think every quarterback needs to be empowered to do. Otherwise, they can't do their job properly. No coach can script exactly what the defense is going to be doing. Maybe Belichick. but uh... Maybe Belichick. That's <laughs> fine. I'll grant you that one. Mostly not. Yeah. yeah. Mostly no one else is going to be doing that. Sure. The greatest coach ever probably can do this the, thing. The gray hoodie can can determine, you know. You need to cut off your own sleeves, and that's something that he does. Mm-hmm. So anyways. Um, but, yeah, avoiding the interceptions, playing, uh, playing yeah, it safe with the he's pass. He's protecting the ball, and it's great. And because he's protecting the ball and because he's helping the offense produce points, I don't see why the coaching staff would reel him in. So I think he'll be allowed to continue what he's doing. The Bears are running the ball less, even if it's just a little less, and this is something we talked about a couple weeks ago with maybe a month ago or more now, the run-pass split between teams. The Bears are running the ball more than any team in the league, and it wasn't even close. And they've sort of come back to like the extreme end of the league, but they've definitely come back a bit. And I think what helps is that teams are saying, okay, he's going to throw the ball a little bit more. We have to pay attention to that a little bit more he's going to be the one running instead of just handing it off 
So you can't necessarily stack the box against a quarterback who's just going to scramble because he'll just go to whatever side you're not stacking. So they have to reconsider how they're defending him, and that's what matters the most. As long as you're keeping defenses on the on their toes, you're going to find more places for your offense to succeed. Uh, he's trending up, and he's got a great shot at staying hot. He has very favorable matchups in the next two weeks. They play Detroit, uh, who are 28th in fantasy points, and Atlanta, who are 30th in fantasy points, given up to quarterbacks. So, you know, if you're giving up the 32, 32nd most, you're giving up the most. So this is where that scale lies. So very impressive stuff by Justin Fields over the last couple of weeks. I will endeavor to get his name right because he deserves it at this point. Mr. Fields. Yes. Justin Fields. Cheers. Make, making delicious cookies out there in malls uh, nearby you. Oh, hell yeah. I appreciate that. So we're drinking Lagunitas Maximus Colossal IPA, 9% ABV Ale. Um, and I'm just getting into it now. The previous beers I had were a PBR and a Coors Light, which means okay. that this is a, a, a massive step. That is a PBR and a Coors Light in one. <laughs> a ma- well, yes, a massive step in uh, in the, the right direction. In the right direction, depending on your perspective. Yeah. You're right. Perspective is all a matter of which direction you're facing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we have a lot of people to get through. Justin Fields uh, certainly uh, has been trending up, as you mentioned, not only over three, but many more than that. Uh, games, that is. And you could see uh, over the past couple of weeks, the, the percentage rostered in leagues has gone up tremendously. And uh, the amount of money in FAAB that people were putting out to try and obtain him uh, was, was going up um pretty uh, uh it was very what's steep. the word precipitously yeah it wasn't exponential you know strictly speaking but we did have someone spend all but three dollars of their budget on justin fields this week in the drink five league which is funny it feels like uh, they should have just spent all of it although i don't know what other people were at maybe it was a strategic move um maybe he was the highest um uh, in no he wasn't well he bid 61 and there's a like a Big Bears fan in the league who, <laughs> who had, bid 60, but that Bears fan has Patrick Mahomes on his team. Probably wasn't going to be betting on Justin Fields. If you have the Mahomes, you don't need the Fields. Got yeah. it. Got so maybe he was just like, I need to keep a couple dollars around for later. But I don't, it's my understanding that Mahomes doesn't have any kind of good uh, uh, bakery skills or um, uh, any, any good cookie recipes. You know, Mahomes' culinary reputation um, is questionable mm-hmm. from what I know. That's exactly right. So let's talk about Geno Smith. Uh, Week 7 versus the Chargers, 14 points. Then the Giants, 19 points. And Arizona, 21 points. Uh, He was originally drafted in the second round of the 2013 NFL Rookie Draft. And he's been on four different NFL teams, starting with the Jets throughout his career. But he's never played more than five games in a season uh, until this year, after his first two years as a starter for the Jets, which didn't work out very well for him, mostly because he was throwing as many or more interceptions than touchdowns each year he played. Since taking on the starting mantle as a Seahawk, though, after Russell Wilson's departure, Geno Smith has surprised a lot He's at least a B-Hawk, if not an A-Hawk at this point. He's an A-Hawk. I don't know what that means. Well, you were like, he's a C-Hawk. Oh, this is a joke. C C minus. I don't know. It's very but good. But he's he's being he's very good this year. A D hawk. Mm. I'm gonna have to sleep on this. <laughs> yeah. But but he's surprised a lot of people. Over the last three weeks, he's put together a streak of at least 210 passing yards and two touchdowns. 
in each game he's played. In fact, last week was the seventh time in nine games that he's put up multiple scores, and he's also rushed for 38 yards in that last contest. He started to rush a little bit more. That was actually when they were playing the Cardinals, uh, and for a quarter, uh, maybe a quarter and a half, he looked more Kyler Murray than Kyler Murray did, which was kind of fun. Was he playing COD on the sideline? Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, it's all about the, the video games with Kyler, yeah. Uh, but, no, what I'm telling you is it's not the Geno Smith we saw coming out of college uh, on the Jets who struggled as a starter and never really found himself. I agree. And you don't often see a quarterback that has success later in his career by this much, that has stuck around as a backup and then suddenly you know sticks his head up above water again to become uh, a, um, in a conversation for a top 10 quarterback over the course of a year. Mm-hmm. I can't think of anybody personally who has made that particular journey. Who's made this? I think it's happened once or twice, but I cannot sure. think of a name. Sure. Ryan Fitzpatrick comes to mind. I mean, Although like Ryan a, Fitzpatrick had a lot more success early in his career. You have like a Kurt Warner who went to a different did. league and came back and things like that. Yeah, but once he started playing for the Saint, well, for the Rams, that was like their Super Bowl year, but he came in because someone was injured. He wasn't given a starting job like Geno was. Like Geno is a journeyman sort of quarterback who they said, okay, well, I guess this is a rebuilding year. We'll just throw Geno Smith in there and see what happens. But he's been playing so well that uh, he's he's you know playing himself into a role as, as perhaps even a franchise quarterback if they are able to continue uh, on the on the trajectory that they're currently on. I now, agree. They have a lot of weapons. They have Kenneth Walker, who's been uh, a, a bit of a revelation in fantasy circles after Rashad Penny went down and Walker was finally healthy enough to play. Uh, he started scoring, you know, twenty points per game kind of averages, which which are RB one averages. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he may end up a lot of uh, fantasy pundits say, you know, as a top five or six running back at the end of the year. Uh, I completely agree that that offense has always been a run-first offense. And so if that's the guy who's going to do it, then he puts himself in a position to be a top-10 running back. It's hard for me to say top five when you have guys like uh, Joe Mixon and and Christian McCaffrey and Austin Eckler out there. (laughs) Yeah, But he's playing that way right now. So DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, the guys that are on the squad that are weapons for Geno are fantastic. And he's starting to use them in a way that we almost thought that they would be lost this year. It's probably one of the most talented teams he's ever played on, you know. Mm-hmm. And Gino, you know, he's doing a lot this year that is better than he's ever done in his career. So he's currently the QB eight overall, and that's uh, for total fantasy points uh, for quarterbacks. He started off, admittedly, a little bit slow, uh, and and has trended very well over the last several games. Uh, I have him rated going into week ten as number six. That's above Tom Brady, Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott, and Justin Herbert. All guys that you would never think would be rated below um, Geno Smith, Smith, especially not at the beginning of the year. I concur. So, that's all I have to say. I I like him as a top 10 quarterback for the rest of the year. In fact, in a a guillotine league league that I'm in, uh, I had Tom Brady and Geno Smith, and I struggled with which one I was going to drop. I dropped Tom Brady. Good move. I think that's the right move. What I like about Smith, what I was saying, he's doing things this year that he's never done in his career. He's leading the league in completion percentage, 73.1%. We were just talking about Justin Fields, and I was you know, talking about how great his interception percentage has been over the last six games. Geno Smith is 1.4% over the entire season. He has 15 touchdowns this year, more than he's had in any season so far in his career. His adjusted net yards per attempt, which is like, how how efficient are you? How how many yards are you gaining per 
like pass attempt on average when you take everything into consideration and you take into touchdowns and everything like that. Uh, 7.09, which is more of a rating than a yardage, but that is way more than he's ever had in his career. Mm-hmm. That is getting up there with where the elite quarterbacks uh, generally are in in their career. So Geno Smith is playing out of his mind this year, putting up easily the best career, best year of his career so far. Um, it's it's a really cool year. to watch. Yeah, it's really cool to watch. Good for him. <laughs> And the Seahawks oh. are definitely one of the teams uh, that will probably make the playoffs who didn't make it last year. There's always, like, at least a handful of teams in the league that seem to do that, which is one of the reasons why, um, you know, the parity in the league is fun, even if it is parity that is sort of in the middle of the league rather than teams moving from the bottom to the top. Yeah, and, and so I like both those quarterbacks, but I think you'll agree with me when I say that uh, although Justin Fields has certainly um, uh, um, broken out uh, over the past couple games, specifically last week, um, the the person who has the odds of being the most consistently good quarterback throughout the rest of the season is still uh, very much uh, Geno and not Justin. But who would you want? If you had to bet on fantasy points for the rest of the year, who would you want? Geno Smith. He, he has way better receivers. I mean, that's it, true. That, it's just all it's all about the receivers. That's man. really true. Like you can have great games with Justin Fields, but ultimately you're going to have Darnell Mooney and Austin Pettis, like. <laughs> It's Chase just, Claypool. Yes, but at some point, like those guys have, there's no ceiling there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's true. But but <laughs> or it's a low enough ceiling that you're gonna hit your head. It's the 13 and a half floor. But this is the part of the season, a little over halfway through, uh, where people have to do things like uh, decide what quarterbacks that they're going to try to have on their team for the best matchups for the playoffs. Uh, you know, and oh, I've got some notes on good matchups for the playoffs later on for other not quarterbacks for other players though. Good. Well, let's, I think it's important to think about that. Let's move on and uh, and get a couple more guys because I know we could discuss. You know, that's that's we something. could discuss two guys. We try to cut down and like have a reasonable length podcast every week. <laughs> we could talk about one or two guys the whole show. Yeah, because if we just let ourselves go, because the discussion isn't really about. Uh, the guy. Well, we talked about Chase Claypool for five minutes during Justin it, Fields. It's it's uh, case in point. It's it's mostly about the things happening around the guy. Yeah. So like, you need a talented That's player. What's great about the NFL. Everyone's talented in the NFL. If you're in the right position with the right people around you and you're pushed in the right you know way, uh, that can, then you can produce. It can produce magic. Yeah. All right. So another talented guy, Gabe Davis. In week six at Kansas City, he put up 15 points. Week eight versus Green Bay, only 4.5. Week nine at the Jets, only 4.3. So he was a preseason sleeper pick. He went off with an ADP of WR25, and it seemed like a steal to the people who were taking him in my leagues anyways. But he is now the WR33 on the season. Unfortunately, he hasn't followed up that amazing playoff performance with a good season. He had a, like a almost a 50-point game, Mm -hmm. uh, that last game uh, in the playoffs last year. He's only averaging 2.5 receptions per game this year. It's a feast or famine mode. He has a 30-point game from Week 5, which was three receptions for 171 yards and two touchdowns, which is an impossible pace to keep up. 57 yards per catch is what he had in that game. So that's an even better point-per-touch average than Joe Mixon. Um, I wrote in my column this week that Joe Mixon averaged over two points per touch this week, which is absolutely crazy for a running back who's going to get the ball 26 times. 
it's one of those things, uh, um, as everyone knows who's listening to, to this podcast or watching us on YouTube, when you have a, a performance by a guy like Joe Mixon that scored somewhere between 45 and 60 points, probably depending on the, the scoring mm-hmm. rules in your league, um, it, it, when you can beat a team that has a guy like that on it, then you feel like you've really accomplished Super something. satisfying. Um, <laughs> so, I, you know, we play in a lot of leagues. And I, and I had one league where I didn't think it was going to happen, but I had – uh, Justin Fields, who in that league gets bonuses for uh, things like long touchdowns, and he scored. So the sixty-one yard touchdown that he ran for. Yeah, so he scored like fifty-five points, and I was like, okay. You cancel out Joe Mixon on the other side. Yeah, an eye for an eye, man. That's yeah. nice. Well done. Um, so Gabe Davis. Um, yeah, he's he, not going to get ten points per touch every game. Right, right. So he hasn't exceeded seven targets in a single game this year. That happened once. Now the seven targets that is so Josh Allen was up in the air. It seems like today the news is that he will try to play. So if he's going to play, his stock isn't going to drop quite as much as it would have if Case Keenum was going to be the starter for the Bills. So that's a situation to keep an eye on. But I don't anticipate Davis being worth starting over the next couple of games because he has really tough matchups. So. Or, I'm sorry, the tough matchups come later. He has really favorable matchups over the next three weeks, uh, including the game on Thanksgiving, which is an early game. So if he winds up uh, putting up a big game in an island situation where everyone's going to see him, trade him to someone who's gullible in your league. Because after that, he plays a whole bunch of teams that are really tough. And, like, he's a feast or famine player as it is. So if he's going to have to play against the teams that have really good coverage, then, you know, he's screwed. Well, the way that the Buffalo Bills win games right now is all through Josh Allen, right? So uh, it's through uh, his his talents, uh, his throwing prowess, his ability to scramble and run, mm-hmm. uh, and some of those players like Gabriel Davis. When did it become Gabe, by the way? Because it was Gabriel for a while. So he just uh, he just decided one On day. On Flea Flicker, it's just Gabe it's Davis. It's like, call me Gabe. starts today. Guess <laughs> starts so. today. Guess so. It's like Travis Etienne, <laughs> you know. He just, he's just like, I, you know, I guess... When I'm here, people call me this, and when I'm there, people call me that. Yeah. Well, so so I think it's so much about Josh Allen uh, and about him specifically that you're absolutely right. If uh, if Allen has a, a something that's limited, uh, limiting his elbow, then that's going to be a problem for any of these deep pass catchers like Davis. Um, and I think that uh, Gabriel Davis is is similar to like a Mike Williams uh, from a couple of years ago when he was only getting um, a couple of really good games per season, and the rest of them, he would just be quiet. Everyone would drop him, and then he would score 35 points. So mm-hmm. it's, it's boomer bust at its finest, right? And uh, my point here uh, is that I think you're, I think you're correct in, in that... Um, I'm right? And that you should try to, to sell him if, you're, if your league's uh, trade window is still available over the next couple of weeks. Because I do think he'll have another big game. So the Thanksgiving game is week twelve, and then and then after that, we'll probably uh, Buffalo will uh, be going through some tough matchups. Like so you said. Minnesota, Cleveland, and Detroit over the next three weeks. All those teams giving up top ten fantasy points to opposing wide receivers. Yeah, definitely a chance for him to have a good game. After one more good game, try and sell him. That's just my advice because after that. New England, the Jets, Miami, Chicago, Cincinnati, none of those teams are giving up like lots of points to opposing wide receivers. But it's not they're middle of the pack or they're in top ten. It's not just about that. It's about the fact that the thing that wins uh, championships 
is consistency, not occasional good games. True. Uh, and so those boomer bust guys, great in the regular season to you know triumph over uh, someone that you might not otherwise. Uh, but you don't want to be playing someone who's only good once every three games when you have to win the game to survive. That's true. Um, I, I do think from what I've read on Twitter and all the things about uh, Josh Allen's health with his elbow, he's going to try to play through it. But I think it's likely that if they're going to rest him at all, it's this week, right? It's It, it would make sense. And if if they do, then that's... Uh, really? Against Minnesota? That's Case Keenum, right? It would be and Case, Case Keenum. Case Keenum, uh, Minnesota knows well, obviously. Oh. Or, or Case Keenum knows Minnesota well, <laughs> perhaps. So, interesting. But uh, uh, I think a, a good analysis on, on Gabriel Davis. Not not a guy that you want to uh, to see speeding down the field with Josh Allen back behind center. That's true. I mean, <laughs> you know, he's just not going to throw it to him that often. And that's part of the problem. Yeah. So, uh, Jerry Judy is the next person I have on my list. Uh, obviously, Broncos wide receiver that has been pretty highly lauded. Um, week six uh, at the Chargers, 6.9 points, seven versus the Jets, 13.1. And week eight at Jacksonville, 15.3. Now, if you look at uh, his history uh, of the game log over, over the course of the year, he's been very inconsistent at best. But a lot of that is not all about Jerry Judy. It's about the uninspired offensive play calling and the head coaching issues that we've seen happening almost every game. It's about an out-of-his-element Russell Wilson who's been playing in shotgun, uh, not allowed to uh, do the kinds of things that he's used to uh, over his years in Seattle. Uh, it's about early injuries to the running back room that have changed the the way and the um, and the players that the Broncos have had in their organization so far this year. And uh, over the past few weeks, Judy has proven to be the receiver to roster in Denver. Uh, he has led or uh, tied for the most receiving targets over the past two games. And he's actually tied in those past two games for the WR14 overall with Mike Evans uh, along that same timeline, those two games. So if you look at who the Broncos are going to play uh, in Week 10, it's the Tennessee Titans. They have the the distinction of giving up the third most points to wide receivers, <laughs> and if you have Judy on your roster, the question that I would ask is just, uh, what better time is there possibly to play him than right now? If you have him on your roster and you're sitting him, then why do you have him on your roster? Uh, so, so I I think that Judy will continue to do a little better in general than most of the other pass catchers on that team. Cortland Sutton was doing well for a while there, but it feels to me like that was happening because him and Wilson and the play calling were not on the same page. Ju you mean Ju Judy and Wilson? Or Cortland Sutton and Wilson? I, I said Cortland was doing better for a little while, but I think that was happening because Judy and Wilson were not gotcha. on the same okay. page, yes. So I think Judy should be, at least hypothetically, uh, the number one guy on that team. It looks like that's the way that things have been rolling out over the past couple of weeks. And I'm not saying that the Denver Broncos are going to suddenly, uh, you know, shock the world. But over the past couple games, because we've been forced to see so many Broncos matches on national television, <laughs> um, they've actually looked a little bit better. And they haven't won only through field goals. So uh, I'm, I'm hoping that, uh, that what we saw from Judy can continue to keep up. And I am, am willing to... Uh, uh, especially since I've been I've been so good so far this year on Fantasy Pros, 
uh, as an expert picking wide receivers. Uh, I, I do have Judy uh, fairly high up in the rankings this week, and, uh, and I think that he'll continue to do well over the next few. Yeah, I like, uh, unlike Gabe Davis, Jerry Judy hasn't dipped below seven targets over the last four weeks. So I think Also a good sign. That's yeah. a very good sign, yeah. Um, you know, big fan of all that, so... Big fan of players. Uh, Big fan producing. of players who get the ball and do something with it, <laughs> and are on my team as well. That's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. I just needed a little drink, a little, little moment. Mm. I really want to put uh, the players up, at least the pictures of the players, um, while we're talking about them. But I'm just a little worried because we don't own any of those uh, copyrights. We don't own any of them. We, we own this. You own this music. Yeah. Uh, and you we know, own this broadcast. I own this house uh, and uh, and this music. And we made a logo. So we're good there. Yeah. You have a Star Wars mouse pad. I'm not so sure about that. We're not showing it on the screen. In <laughs> fact, just mentioning it. Like, you can't see it on the screen. It's completely blocked by, by my computer. I feel way better about showing all the other logos on my laptop than I do about showing this. Yeah, the Lucas bot is going to come out. Yeah, so it's not actually there. Dave is just making this up. Please leave us alone, George Lucas and Mickey Mouse. It's just a it's just a black mouse pad. It's just generic. It's not Darth You're Vader. You're just extra- extrapolating. But one other thing that you do own, Dave, is the eighth spot overall in the Fantasy Pros expert rankings. Yeah, I'm excited about that, right? It's uh, we've, we've gone over nine weeks so far, and uh, each week I think I've gotten a little bit better and, and climbed up the rankings. Uh, I was at like 30 to 25 to 20, uh, got into the top 10, now at number 8. And so what that means uh, on FantasyPros.com, they have an aggregate ranking of, of various experts um, throughout different websites or publications uh, that cover the fantasy football industry. And all of those people, 200 plus, get together um, uh, on this website and and provide their rankings on a weekly basis for all of the skill positions, plus flex, super flex, uh, defense, and kickers. Um, not everyone does every position, but uh, but most of us do most of them. Yeah, in the top 10, everyone except for a few of them will, you know, some people will skip kicker and defense. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I am... I'm happy to to say uh, it's probably the the highest that I've ever been in a non Jean Lejoy way. Uh, uh, in the you ra- ketchup chips to it, get there in the seasonal rankings uh, for fantasy pros experts, and what that means for those of you following Drink Five is that you can see my actual rankings um, on the website uh, under Dave Biggs rankings each week. And on Fantasy Pros, you have to pick more than one. So even if you right. have a subscription uh, to one of their packages, you have to pick one. You have to pick two, three, four experts. But on our site, uh, for free, regardless of whether or not you pay Fantasy Pros anything, uh, you can see my rankings uh, in all of their number eight overall glory. Yes, <laughs> yes, number um, three in wide receivers, I believe I saw. But I wouldn't necessarily take my number three uh, my, for wide receivers. My quarterback number advice. thirteen for running backs. <laughs> Uh, number 26 for kickers. Take your kicker advice. Right. Um, maybe don't take the quarterback advice. <laughs> <laughs> but, hey, if we can isolate uh, those sort of things, then the advice is just that much better. 
You know, I, I like the accuracy rankings they have there. There's a whole page about exactly how they do it, the algorithm. Yes, I remember reading through it years ago. It's probably been tweaked. Yeah, but, but what I'm saying is, uh, I don't know if I, because uh, I haven't done my own analysis on that. I'm not sure if I'm uh, like not succeeding in like the top 15 or the bottom 15. Like if I'm not ranking the quarterbacks from 15 to 32 very, very well, that doesn't matter very much. That's true. I think they <laughs> certainly weight the better ones more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Fair. So back to our trends. Uh, we got a few more here. Aaron Jones is running back for the Packers in week seven in Washington, 24 points. Week eight against Buffalo, 17.7. This last week in Detroit, that's three road games. You know, can be tough. 5.5 Being on the Packers in 2022 could be tough. That's just very tough. <laughs> um, so what Aaron Jones has is a couple of peaks this season. He has one early. He's another one in week seven, as I mentioned, 24 points that week. He's currently sliding back down the other side of that second peak, uh, which is a fun place to ski, but not necessarily a good place to be, to be if you're a fantasy running back. <laughs> so like his team this year, he's very inconsistent. He has touchdowns in only two games this year. Um, though he's got five of them in those two games. So it's feast or famine for him, too. He's become the victim of game scripts that are kind of working against him during the losing streak. He has nine or fewer carries in three of the last four games, and he's on a downward trend with A.J. Dillon nipping at his heels. Dillon has just nine or f uh, nine fewer carries than Jones over the entire season. Uh, and if Jones wasn't as involved as he was in the passing game, he would definitely be out of the discussion even for every week starters at running back. So as it stands right now, I get it. It's hard to give up on Aaron Jones. You drafted him as the 13th overall running back. You, the Royal, you, uh, I don't know if you actually have him on any of your teams, Dave. So you didn't uh, draft him to provide depth to your team. You drafted him to be a damn starter. He's also on a team of underperformers. Um, so he's not a good sell option right now. The next three weeks, the Packers play teams who are in the top 10 of fewest fantasy points given up to opposing running backs so it's not going to get any better right now he only has one matchup against a team outside of the top 14 in that category through week 17 so he has nothing but shitty matchups for the rest of the season it may be the time to sell jones even though you're not selling him at his high point he has a much better chance of going lower in value than he does of bouncing back like we talked about with maybe a Gabe Davis where he might bounce back a little bit and you could try and sell him a little bit higher. I think if you feel the need to sell on Aaron Jones, then you have to do it right now, even though you are not going to, um, you know, you're not going to get as much value as you might want for him. So it's going to take a good salesman to get a lot of value for him right now. You may be able to get something just, I think that what you really need to target is somewhere if you want to trade him, you need to target a need. Don't worry so much about like one-for-one -one value. You have to target a need uh, and fill a hole on your team because Aaron Jones is going to leave a hole at your running back position uh, without enough points, and that is going to hurt more than you know keeping him on your you know than holding on to him and trying to figure out what the hell to do. So I, I don't like Aaron Jones for the rest of the year. I don't like what the Packers have shown this year. Um, I feel like it's very. Um, I don't know. It's one of those teams that could turn around at any minute because they have Aaron Rodgers. But at the same time, like it feels like the vibe in Green Bay is pretty bad. And therefore, I don't want to have much fantasy stock in that team. 
Well, you know how the NFL works. It's not like the uh, MLB or or even the NBA. Um, there's not enough games for for teams to go through like you know three different whole cycles of up and down. That's a good point. Yeah. If, if it's very uh, true. you're playing in 17 games, it's a lot different from playing in 82 uh, or uh, uh, 160. 160. So. Yeah. So uh, in, in these cases, you have the ability to um, uh, to trend up and then back down again and then back up. Uh, that that doesn't happen as often in the NFL. And I think that uh, what what we're seeing, obviously, uh, with the Packers has the most to do with uh, Rodgers not being able to to find a wide receiver that he can consistently connect with, mm-hmm. which is frustrating him. And then that's not helping the organization. But not only that, they're they're losing all these different players. Um, and for example, I'm going to talk about uh, a gentleman right now uh, who uh, who is on the uh, Green Bay Packers defense that that was just lost to a torn ACL. Uh, and and it's a good segue to uh, to talk about our next player trend, who's Tony Pollard. Uh, of course, the the running back for the Dallas Cowboys, who has been around for about as long uh, as Ezekiel Elliott if not the same amount of time, but is always looked at as the guy behind Elliott. Um, week six at Philadelphia, 6.2 points. Week seven versus Detroit, 11.9. I think they're the same age. Uh, and week eight versus Chicago, 33.2. You know, you know that I'm furiously looking that up, so just keep going. I'll let you know. Furiously, like a, like a kung fu panda. <laughs> um, so 33.2 points last week versus Chicago is kind of what – what people really wanted to see was Pollard without Elliot. Cause we know last year uh, and, and other times when Elliot was un, unhealthy or, or not able to finish the game, Pollard looked like a just as good or a better version of Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, a version of him. I don't know about that. I would just say like, he doesn't have the same running style. He, he looks better as a running back, frankly. What I mean is uh, of that position for that team. Sure. So in the short term, uh, the success of Tony Pollard really depends on the health of Ezekiel Elliott. And with Elliott out when the Cowboys went up against the Bears, Pollard had 14 carries. 14 carries for 131 yards and three touchdowns. And this is the holy grail of fill-in running back experiences. That's pretty good. The problem is that Tony Pollard is not really available on waiver wires in uh, leagues that are that are filled with smart fantasy players. Because Tony Pollard, Alexander Madison, uh, and a couple other guys are, are really the the players that are rostered that are the backups that, that also produce. Tony Pollard actually was in on more snaps the week before that against Detroit. He played on 65% of snaps. Against Chicago, it was only 53% of snaps, although that may be because it was a bit of a blowout. Yeah, uh, and, and looking at that, the matchup against Green Bay this week is a good one with a major injury, like I just mentioned. is a torn ACL occurring to the linebacker, uh, Rashawn Gary, who leads the team in not only pressures and sacks, but also quarterback hits and tackles for loss. Mm-hmm. So if we're looking at a uh, high score list for the Green Bay Packers, uh, here's this guy who is no longer at the arcade. <laughs> you know, it's too bad. As much as Jerry Jones continues to say that Pollard uh, will keep taking a back seat to Elliott, and believe me, every single time he gets the opportunity to do so, he downplays Pollard. And I don't understand it, except to know that uh, Jerry Jones likes the guys that are in lights, and he likes to be in lights, and he likes the superstars, 
and Tony Pollard has just never really been a superstar. That's he's very been true. he's been the backup. Uh, if you know maybe Tony Pollard was surrounded by like dancing uh, Las Vegas uh, showgirls, then he would look at Tony Pollard slightly Jerry differently. Jones would, I mean, everyone would, I suppose. Yes, they would. <laughs> also, there'd be too many men and women on field. People would be yeah looking a lot more at him. So Tony Pollard, two years younger than Ezekiel Elliott, three fewer le- years in the league. So too, he's really coming into his prime right now. Too many showgirls on field. Um, yeah. That's so yeah. not quite a penalty. In Dynasty, there are questions then about like who's going to be with the team going forward because I believe they're both uh, set to not uh, uh, to be unrestricted, unrestricted free agents the following year. So it's like who who are they going to sign and continue with the with the team? But we're not talking necessarily about Dynasty right now. Uh, maybe you can get back to that in a moment. I just I can't see a world in which uh, Pollard goes back to being a backup over the last year and a half of continued success at the position that he plays. And Elliott did practice today, by the way, Wednesday, and we're expecting him to play against the Packers this week, you know, looking at that practice and his health. Uh, but he is on a snap count in practice and looking strictly at the numbers. Uh, look at Pollard. He's led the league in yards after contact per carry. Led, led the league this year. Mm-hmm. While Elliott is 47th. 47th in uh, in yards after contact per carry. Yeah, that, and that's what you would expect the opposite. You would expect Elliott, the bruising running back, to be the one who would be able to be up at the top of the league in that. So I do like Pollard this week. Uh, I expect for Elliott to, uh, to suck up just enough touches going forward to keep Pollard at a flex level of play. Uh, maybe maybe RB3, uh, RB2, uh, like a low-end RB2. But but he should be an RB1 or 2 based on his pure talent and skill and chemistry with the team. Uh, and Jerry Jones and the organization is just simply fixated at this point uh, with Elliott being the guy instead of Pollard. And it's it's frustrating. And uh, I, It may be like a contract thing, too. No, it doesn't really matter. It's like the, you play the guy that, that makes you win the Super Bowl. I, I agree. Like, that's how you <laughs> should run the team. So, Ezekiel Elliott is under contract through 2026. Um, I didn't remember until I looked this up. He signed a six-year, $90 million extension in yeah, September a, of 2019. There's an out next year. There's always outs. There's yeah. always outs. Tony Pollard will be an unrestricted free agent next year. So, so this is what uh, – and I had talked about this on a previous show, I'm pretty sure. But basically, I think next year they either have to cut ties with – with Zeke with an out uh, and allow for Pollard to try to be the guy or Pollard's going to end up being the RB1 or RB1-2 on a different team. Yeah. Uh, Pollard's going to get paid next year no matter where he winds up. He's done so well he's going to get some money. Yep. Yeah. Meanwhile, Zeke Elliott's going to be owed $11 million next year <laughs> if he plays for the Cowboys. Yeah. It doesn't, re- it doesn't renegotiate. Well, let's talk about a couple more guys before we sign off here. Uh, absolutely. So, will you uh, share that with me? Oh, yeah. I would just like a little bit, maybe. Happy to help. Maybe a little more than a little bit. <laughs> uh, Travis Etienne, who we had a lot of fun trying to figure out how he's supposed to pronounce, how we're supposed to pronounce his name. He can pronounce his name any way he wants, I suppose. It's his name. Um, it is. He's his. from New Orleans, so uh, apparently back at home, it's. Etienne, Etienne, like with an H almost. Are you sneezing? Thank you. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, is he Cajun? 
uh, he would probably be Creole, not Cajun. I but honestly, that's uh, I don't a discussion actually, that I don't want to wade into. I'm not sure I even know what those mean. Don't want to wade into that. I'll explain it to you after. Uh, so I thought those were kinds of ways to eat shrimp. I don't know. Says, they uh, are probably two different ways to eat shrimp. <laughs> that's one definition. <laughs> that's not the definition that everyone uses. Ah. Anyways, in week seven against the Gi- Giants, he scored 18.4 points. Week eight against Denver, 23.7. And week nine against Las Vegas, 25.6 points. It's been a great couple weeks for Travis Etienne. Um, and he's feasting on home cooking. Because they've been at home all it, three of those it, games. Is it shrimp? Let's hope that that's. Oh, I mean they're in Jacksonville. You could probably get good shrimp in Jacksonville. I've been in Jacksonville. I had shrimp in Jacksonville actually. Oh, was it good? Yep. Great. Well, then let's just pretend like that's what he's eating. It was uh, it tasted like Eastern Florida, you know? <laughs> Which is most of Florida. Let's be honest. <laughs> most of Florida is Eastern Florida. I guess it can't really be much else. Right. There's Central Florida, but nobody wants to be there. <laughs> it's just hot and hickey. Oh no! Oh, we're just we're just stepping into all kinds of trouble. Just, just murdering this uh, this podcast tonight. Yeah, it's good. I need a drink while we do podcasts. Mm-hmm. That's good. <laughs> so hopefully, the home <laughs> cooking isn't the key to Etienne's success because the Jaguars only have two more home games through Week 17. What does appear to be the key to his success is that he's been given the keys. See what I did there uh-huh. uh, to the backfield. James Robinson, when he was on the team, when James Robinson was on the team. Etienne had 68 carries in seven games. Robinson was traded to the Jets two weeks ago. A little more than two weeks ago now. Etienne has 52 carries in those uh, two games. He has 100 yards in each of the last three games, which is second in yardage only to Derrick Henry over that span. Derrick Henry has like five games of 100 yards or more now uh, in a row. He's putting together a pretty good streak there. Yeah, because he's the only person on Tennessee that matters. Correct. <laughs> Correct. What an organization. It was, it's called the Tennessee Derrick Henrys at this point, I'm pretty sure. And it's worth the price of admission because that man is awesome. It's not bad. Yeah. So anyways, if the upward trend for Etienne is any indication of what's to come, it's exactly why they drafted him in the first round last year. And if you think about it, really, this is Etienne's rookie year because he didn't play even in the preseason last year. So this yeah, is he his was, first year playing NFL football. He was out right away, and there was always a lot of hype surrounding Etienne, and uh, I'm glad that he's in there and doing what he was uh, supposed to do. Uh, again, talking about Dynasty Leagues, uh, I know a couple people that had drafted him and then were unable to even use the player in the regular season, which must be very frustrating. Oh, yeah. But, right to the IR. But when they traded... Straight to jail. When they traded Robinson to the Jets, it's like... There he is. It's him. It's him yeah. all year. 24 carries, 28 carries. Just boom. They're going to use him a lot. Yep. So it's going to be very hard to sit him, even though he doesn't have very good matchups coming up lately. And really, he's becoming an RB10, so you're not going to want to sit him anyways. Um, he's having a massive share of carries. But what's great is that he has a cupcake matchup for the championship game. In week 17, he plays the Houston Texans, who are giving up the most points to opposing running backs. They're giving up an average of 30 points to opposing running backs. Not 30 points per player, but to the whole team, which is an absurd amount of points. So it's not like they they can't defend against running backs. They're just just deciding not to. to. I think so. (laughs) I think that that must be the case. So if Etienne does stumble in the next week or two, I suggest trying to buy him uh, from someone else because you want to set up that great matchup in championship week. 
So um, we're talking a lot about looking forward right now as far as like what player matchups are going down the line in the playoffs in the championship game. Etienne has one of the best matchups that you're going to get. He's a he's a powerful running back. He's a guy who's getting a lot of carries and a guy who has the best matchup for Week 17. Got to be very confident to uh, to buy the championship matchup guy. I mean, why wouldn't you? No, I. I'm kidding. I mean, he he's playing well anyway. But like, it, it's not like in week twelve you're going to be like, okay, well, better sell all my guys to buy only the guys that have the best matchups. And well, in- I'm not saying mortgage your team, but I'm <laughs> saying like, you know, if you're going to target a running back, look for Etienne. See yeah. what that player needs. I think see if you're a trading partner for them, I think that's the kind of thing that's very important that a lot of people never do, especially as as we can see the statistics of things. Um, having a fantasy football website podcast. YouTube channel, subscribe. We appreciate it. Um, to uh, smash to, that like button. To actually see um, the the amount of traffic that occurs on fantasy sites throughout the year, uh, you've got the, the big funnel at the beginning, right? Everybody wants all the information they can for the draft, right? And then uh, through weeks one, two, three, four, I think people kind of settle on a uh, on a site or on an expert that they want to pay attention to, ask questions to. Okay, um, I pay attention to you. Well, I except for quarterbacks, you're good. I, right. <laughs> um, you ranked Justin Fields last, and I don't know why. I did. No, I'm not. kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> See, I wish they would. I wish Fantasy Pros would send me a thing, and they'd be like, "Okay, well, here is what, what you, you need to improve on." Is here is what you really screwed up on this week. I bet we could kind of like do a little post mortem. Oh no, and, not not today. No, not today. not not now for sure. But all right. Well, you could see like uh, you know this week. Uh, you you ranked eighty five in running backs, and as opposed to your usual high ranking. Uh, so we say it's probably these two or three guys that you had really low, right? That kind of thing. Well, let's see how you did in a week. No, no, no. We don't have enough time today for this. Okay, that's fine. Uh, but but if we want to uh, schedule one of our remaining shows to talk about rankings, happy to do that. So, uh, uh, my whole point, anyway, was that there's less and less people every week because there's less and less people that are involved in the fantasy leagues themselves as people play themselves out. If they have eight losses... In most ten team and above leagues, they they have no chance of making the playoffs. Correct, and so they they no longer care about setting their lineups uh, every week. They're or, certainly not even if they set their lineups. They're not going to do the research that they did earlier. In the not year. as much, like right. They're just going to they set the lineup so people don't yell at them. <laughs> <laughs> so they're allowed back the next year. Yeah, because really, what you want to do is make sure you make it to the draft party every year. Yeah, that's the important part. Uh, and so when you have less and less people, uh, the people that are paying attention are the people that you have to be worried about. And if you're not that person who's paying attention every week, then you're not going to get the kind of uh, analysis and special information that podcasts like ours uh, or websites, um, you know, there's a ton of them out there, mm-hmm. can offer, like those matchups for the playoffs. Um Anyway, my last guy that I have to talk about is Adam Thielen. And Adam Thielen, uh, of course, Minnesota Viking wide receiver, long time. Uh, week 6 at Miami with 13.6 points. Uh, week 7, Arizona, nineteen or 9.7. And week 9 at Washington with 8.2. So trending down over the last three weeks. Mm-hmm. Gr- granted, there was a bye week there in week 8, but we're not taking those into consideration when we talk about the trends. Thielen is averaging less catches per game, 4.8 catches, than he was last year. His yardage, 52.3 yards 
uh, has also fallen year over year. But it's the touchdown numbers that are that are really wrecking the sustained fantasy value going forward. Now, over the last few years, Thielen's two touchdowns. Uh, uh, Sorry, over the last few years, Thielen has been scoring touchdowns like nobody's business. In fact, and I don't have this exact number in front of me, but I believe it's something like uh, one out of eight touches or something last year was a touchdown for uh, Adam Thielen. Uh, it was better than that. What was it? So he had 10 touchdowns on 67 receptions. Hmm. So every 6.7 times he touched the ball, he scored a touchdown. Not happening this year. So only two touchdowns so far in 2022. Uh, and it doesn't seem like that that uh that kind of a, of a of a relationship exists any longer two touches two touchdowns on 38 receptions which means every 19 touches rather than every 6.7 right so those two touchdowns so far have hobbled his value in fantasy uh just as much as the minor knee injury that he is currently nursing and the question is how minor is a knee injury to a 32-year-old receiver? And the answer is, it's not usually minor. Most knee injuries aren't minor to any 32-year-old. Well, they say he has a bruised knee. But what that means to me is that you have an, an aging receiver in Adam Thielen that is, is fantastic. Do not get me wrong. But the playmakers they have on that team are fantastic when you look at Delvin Cook and Justin Jefferson. They just oh, yeah. they just acquired TJ Hawkinson, yeah. who, who was an all-star at the University of Iowa. He was an all-star with uh, the Detroit Lions. And, and now uh, the first they game... They call them pro bowlers. That term means almost nothing at this point. His first game uh, with the Minnesota Vikings with four days learning the playbook, um, he he basically he went out there and and ran did like eight or nine catches. Yeah, it was just, very impressive. Just like he's been there for years. And so with that acquisition of the young superstar tight end T.J. Hawkinson, I think we're we're seeing this uh, this steeper decline for Thielen rather than that situation helping him out. Because in some cases, if you have someone like Hawkinson that can come in uh, and, and take some things away from those uh, first down catches, um, you know, take defenders away from someone like Thielen, who in some cases is the two or even three wide receiver on a play, uh, I don't see that happening, though. I see, I see Thielen declining more and more, the touchdowns not uh, picking up at all, and him just ending up being the slot receiver who occasionally gets passes when they don't already go to Jefferson or Hawkinson. Well, Thielen was the guy who would get peppered with passes, who would go over the middle. And now they've got Hawkinson, who's better at that. He's bigger. He's younger. I hesitate he, to say better because Thielen was awesome. He, Thielen was awesome. Well, okay, <laughs> maybe not better as a whole, but, like, right now he's better. Yep, yep, yep. I mean, Thielen, on his first game on the team, nine targets, nine catches. It's just going to continue. And, and so I, I like the Vikings are being talked about as a team to go far in the playoffs, and I completely agree with that, as I think that they are very clearly the best team in the NFC North without any kind of doubt. Uh, sure. and, and not only that, but with the superstars that they have on their team in Hawkinson, uh, in uh, Justin Jefferson, in Delvin Cook. I mean, you have a guy like Adam Thielen who uh, is not even uh, in the top three players on that team, but could still go to another team and be, uh, you know, the, the number two guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's it's fantastic. So I I don't know if the Vikings can actually make it happen since Kirk Cousins has problems doing well in in games that are televised on national TV. 
Did you know that? Uh, I did, but I thought it was primetime games. Yeah, primetime. Okay, well, they're playing at noon. No, I don't mean for this week. I just okay. mean just like, in general. going further in the playoffs, like less and less teams are playing. There's more and more pressure on Kurt Cousins. Every playoff game is by itself. Because someone might see him through a pass. <laughs> someone might see him. <laughs> you wouldn't want anyone to see him. But my point is, Jason, that, that those passes are going to go less and less to Adam Thielen. So just like you mentioned before with Aaron Jones, it may be difficult to sell a guy like this, but if you can offload him or sell him uh, or do anything besides cut him to get value back on your team, that's what I would suggest. Okay. Can we uh, look at your quarterback rankings for Week 9 for a moment? I mean, that's not my plan tonight, but sure. Okay, sure. so guys who you ranked in the top 10 who finished in the top 10. Josh Allen... Um, I don't think Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, uh, just, Justin Herbert did not. Geno Smith, Joe Burrow, Tua did not, which doesn't make any sense to me because Tua's team scored so many damn points. Oh, he did. He did. <laughs> uh, and Aaron Rodgers did not. So only three of the top ten players that you had ranked in the top ten finished outside the top ten. So I did pretty so well. So I say – Fantasy pros be damned. Listen to Dave about quarterbacks. Ah, I love it. So, so I think that it's probably very dependent on like uh, they weren't in like the right order, but but it's probably like more about like the middle to end, which I admittedly don't put that much time into. <laughs> I'm just don't being, admit that. Don't admit that. Well, look, it's based on stats, and then on um, and then on like uh, uh positional um variability and coaching decisions and matchups mm-hmm. and everything else we've uh jason and i have been over this in years past but um it i i think that that fantasy pros takes into account all of the things that happen and where those players are based on where they finished so it's likely that you know maybe i had a guy um that was um ranked fairly high like in the top 15 that finished like you know 30 and, like, I'd probably get a lot of points. I think, yeah, I think that that sort of thing really, you know, yeah. dings you. But, idea, like, if you think about it, like, a lot of players, a lot of experts should get dinged for that same thing. Unless you're going out on a limb on somebody and it burns you. Well, apparently, uh, I'm doing something wrong, you know. <laughs> Maybe this was one of your better quarterback weeks. I don't know. I didn't I didn't keep digging. I don't think it was. <laughs> you were 60. Oh, no, that's not as bad as 135, which is my overall, which means most of my weeks are horrible. <laughs> so, you know what I'll do? I'll reach out to Fantasy Pros, and I'll ask them specifically. If oh, yeah, there's... you were 178 the week before. I guess we could look at that, but let's we don't have that time. I, you know, again, I don't want to go over this. Uh, one, because <laughs> one, I don't want to make myself look, uh, look bad. I'm actually doing well. Uh, you are doing very well. <laughs> But if you're going to pay attention to my rankings, I would say the grain of salt goes with the quarterback, right? That's fair. I think that that's a good place to end it. I appreciate appreciate that you went back there and you said uh, you did okay. You did okay. You did okay last week. (laughs) You probably improved to 128 last week. All right. (laughs) We did it. All right. Good show, Dave. We'll be back here next week. And... uh, I don't know what we're going to talk about. Probably fantasy football. But thanks for uh, watching or listening and subscribe and whatever place it is that you found us. <laughs> and you can join us live on the show and uh, ask us questions. We love to answer them while we're on the air. 
Well, thank you, Jason, and uh, and that's uh, drink5.com signing out for the night. We appreciate you. Cheers, all. everyone. Waiting for flowers to bloom. Waiting for flowers to bloom.